welcome to Interrogatories with Josh Campson. I'm your host, Josh Campson. Today we're interviewing Rachel Reese. Rachel is an attorney in Florida, uh, but more importantly, she is semi-TikTok famous. So Rachel and I talk about being a criminal defense lawyer and being TikTok famous and how she got into that, how it benefits her, what her office thinks of that. It's kind of a different interview than we've done in the past. Uh, Someone not local, someone from Florida, our first Southern interview. I think you have a lot of good information here, especially for young lawyers, new lawyers and law students. So take a listen. If you enjoy, make sure to rate, review on the Apple Podcast Store, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, this is Josh Campson. Thanks for listening to Interrogatories. Rachel, thanks for joining us in Interrogatories. No, thanks for having me. So we've never met. This is our first time meeting as of two minutes ago. Uh, but I feel like I know you. We quote unquote met uh, on TikTok. So because you're like the most TikTok famous lawyer we've had on the podcast. Uh, how oh, does gosh. that feel? How does that feel to be <laughs> TikTok? Do you consider yourself TikTok famous? Let me ask you that. Um, No. Um, So that's I don't. I mean, obviously, people in my life who don't have TikTok do. Um, they they thought I was famous though, and I had fifty thousand followers. They were like, "You have made it. Are you going to quit your job?" And I just laughed. I was like, "No." Um, but no, I don't. I mean, I've only been recognized one time, so I don't think that I'm TikTok famous. I think like maybe once I get to like a million followers, but like TikTok famous is not real famous. So I and just think it's do fun. they just send the checks directly to you? Do they have to go through the firm? <laughs> like, how does the money come in through TikTok? Oh, there's like no money. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> because I, that, I think that's the, that, I think that's the thing. I think that I'm different than the other lawyers on TikTok. Because like I, and not all of them do, but a lot of them do get business from it, and they'll find clients and people. I don't want people to hire me. Um, so the only way I could in ever general or like people on TikTok, <laughs> just from TikTok. Okay. I mean, because I mean, they'd have to be in prison on an illegal cell phone to see my TikTok. So like, we don't want that. We don't want the relationship starting off that way. Um, but yeah, so if I have to monetize TikTok, I've only made like a couple thousand bucks total. <laughs> well, hey, that's more than uh, that's more than I made with my six or seven videos. Now, when did you well, first of all, why don't you explain to people? Um, people have probably heard of TikTok, but for the uh, I'm not going to paint with a broad brush, but when I say <laughs> boomers, uh, for the older listeners that we have who aren't as internet savvy or aren't as uh, weren't as bored during lockdown, tell them what TikTok is and how you got into it. Sure. So I don't, you know, TikTok started a lot, like a long time ago, and it was for a much younger generation. It was, you know, a, a video and a platform where people post videos up to 60 seconds, where people would dance, they would sing. It was really a creative outlook kind of way for younger people to voice their, you know, creativity side. My sister came down during COVID um, after she had been locked in her apartment in New York City for months. And she was like, download this app. I was like, absolutely not. I was like, I am 30 years old. I am way too old. This is for like kids who are in high school and college. And this is your younger sister? Yeah, she's only a couple years younger than me. So, and so the fact that she had heard of it because she's not really super into social media, I was like, fine. So we downloaded it. Of course, you get sucked in and you're like, okay, this is kind of funny. So we made one video, went viral literally overnight, one video. And then the rest was kind of history. At that point, I was like sucked in. I was like, oh, this is kind of intriguing. Like, what could we do with this? What could we make of this? 
And as time went on, it just kind of became this whole different beast in and of itself. <laughs> so how often do you, how much time do you spend in a day or a week filming videos? Cause you put out a lot of videos, you know, and I, I tried getting into it during lockdown and I made like six videos and then I was like, all right, I don't have time. <laughs> so if you ask my husband how much time I spend on it, he would say <laughs> a lot. He's like, Oh, are you, are you on the talk? Are you on the talk right now? What are you doing? Um, so I don't spend a lot of time making the videos. I spend a lot more time trying to think of ideas and like look for content and then try to put my own spin on it. So I spend a lot more time just like scrolling and trying to think of creative ways to post a video. When I post a video, I don't edit it. I just do it like one time. I just don't care enough, which I think is also one of the ways I'm a little bit different than a lot of people. Like I don't use like high tech. No, I just like one and done. I don't have time for this. And I just, it is what it is. So I would say like in total, depending on how many videos I post a day, like an hour a day. And are you doing any of these at your office? How do your partners feel about this? So I do most out of office. Um, there are a couple, like if I get to the office really early, I used to go live in the morning, like first thing in the morning before I would actually start working. Um, so I would do that at the office before when we started coming back after COVID. My law partners both know about my TikTok. They actually... My one law partner had one at the very beginning of COVID and my other partner's wife had one. So it was very open. I don't know if they know how big it's gotten at this point, um, but they know that it's out there and they, they think it's great as long as I keep it positive. And again, I'm not trying to use it to bring business. I'm just trying to use it for, you know, another positive spin on the, the legal career, legal profession, I guess. And, and it seems like you're trying to, um, reach out to people that are trying to get into the law and you're offering advice about law school and starting a career. I mean, have people reached out to you? Have you talked to people privately about that kind of thing? Yeah. So at first, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I really wasn't talking about law at all in the very beginning because that wasn't really what I thought I wanted to use it for. I didn't want to put myself out there as a lawyer. Like I didn't make, I didn't hide it that I was a lawyer, but I just kind of, you know, there is unfortunately sometimes a negative stigma that's attached to us. Um, but then as I started kind of answering questions, I realized there was just such like a lack of information out there for students who are thinking about going to law school. I mean, I went into it completely blind. I feel like Google was a thing, but I, I feel like there wasn't even that much information out there. So I have, I have had students. I'm always so amazed by the internet. People will literally find me. They will email my email from the Florida Bar's website and they will email my, I'm like, good for you. And those are the people that I reach out to and I communicate with. I have mentor people. I've done zoom calls with people and, you know, I'm always down to help. Cause like I said, I just didn't have that. So I have had a lot of conversations with people and answered a lot of questions for students who want to go to law school and become lawyers. So let's uh, transition that into you going to law school and becoming a lawyer. You went to law school. What do you mean blind? It was just like, Oh, I had a poli sci degree, couldn't get a job. Uh, and, and that was that, or was it more my story where your Bubby said, Oh, you know, he's going to be a lawyer. And then I could either be this or a doctor and I don't know anything about science. So here I am. What was, what was your trajectory to law school? More like the latter, more like you. So, I mean, I literally, my mom tells the story. I've wanted to be a lawyer since the day I could talk since the day I could argue. I wanted to be a lawyer. I just always knew that. Um, so I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I just didn't know the path. I just kind of did what I thought I needed to do. Like, for example, I applied to college as my mom, I get my acceptance letter in the mail. She's like, wait, you applied to college. Like, who are you? Like, you didn't tell us. And I was like, congrats, I'm going to Florida State. Like, it's fine. So then I go and I'm like, what do I major in? And I was like, well, what is law? So like, 
I had no idea. So I just picked criminology because I had no idea. I was like, crim, it must mean crime, which is a law. Literally having no idea what I was doing. Never asked for like guidance or help. And then when it came time to finally take the LSAT and go to law school, I had joined no organizations. I had just worked full time. And I just, I remember like thinking, I was like, well, if I want to go to law school this year, I guess I should start figuring out what I need to do to get there. And it was literally the beginning of my senior year where I have people reaching out to me now in high school. Like, what can I be doing now? Like, what is like the normal process? And I feel like that's how most people do it. I just was like, I knew what I wanted. I just didn't know how to get there. And I just kind of got lucky along the way that my lack of preparation did not hurt me in the long run. And are you one of the people who encourages people to go to law school? Or are you like my uncle who says, I would never do it. It's a horrible profession. You know, go become a mechanic. I am definitely someone that says go to law school if you want to go. I was told, I can't even tell you how many times. I think in college, I don't have, I don't think I have a single person that ever told me to go to law school. Every person was like, do not do it. It's going to ruin your life. You're going to hate it. And I think... I mean, I think some people hate their lives, but I think people who end up finding what they like end up loving it. And I tell everybody, I'm like, if you think you want to go, you should go. You just never know what you'll end up loving. Or if you hate it, you can always do something else. I mean, you're going to be in a lot of debt, but yes, at least yeah. you could do something else. Right. I would say drop out early on. Right. Uh, like if you, if you hate it, do like one year, get like only like a third of the debt and then move on with your life. Right. But, I worked with a yeah. person when I was in college i worked at coach and uh, this the gym the manager yeah no big deal um Ooh. yeah it was the only guy that had worked at that store ever um <laughs> uh, i was like really good at sales because i knew a lot of i knew nothing about handbags so i'd be like i don't know this one it's like shaped it's like a u you know that's uh that's good but so the, the manager there had gone to three years of law school but had dropped out before the last semester oh god and i was like what what the, what what that doesn't make any sense. I mean, I don't know what the circumstances was. She kind of brought it up casually one time. I asked one follow-up question and then she clearly didn't want to talk about it. So I, you know, Interesting. I, yeah, I assume there was more there, but you know, if you're going to get out, get out early, otherwise just ride it out and you don't have to take the bar. You can have that JD after your name. Right. You're on a plane. Know. You make people call you a doctorate. I say that all the time when my husband Googles his symptoms for when he's sick. I'm like, oh, I forgot. You know, we didn't go to med school, but you you do have the JD. So I guess you're qualified to, to diagnose yourself. It's fine. Is he also a lawyer? He is. He is. You say with a sigh of exasperation. Does that mean that uh, he wins most of the fights or you win most of the fights? I'm not married to a lawyer, so it makes it easier. Um, there are no fights because I win all things. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, he is way more laid back than I am. So he, our fights are very, they're very educated, I will say. So there, you know, there is no winner. There is no, it's not about who wins. It's just coming to a resolution. Good answer. I'm, good answer. I'm, I'm the, I, but I'm the winner. So nice. Yeah. No, good answer. You should, uh, you know, you should do law. It was very, very, yeah. uh, well said. Now mm-hmm. you're in uh, criminal defense and post-conviction practice, right? Yes. So we don't talk a lot on here about what people do, but that is a pretty small niche, the post-conviction practice. Can you tell people what that is? Sure. Um, so obviously criminal defense is pretty well known. You know, you're literally defending the people who have been accused of committing a crime. I do not represent anybody until after they've already been convicted until after they've already been either found guilty by a jury or entered a plea and they've been sentenced. And my clients are all in prison because they've been sentenced to 
significant periods of time. Most of them have life sentences or the equivalent. So I help them do appeals and um, a lot of ineffective counsel just to make sure that all of their rights, none of their rights were violated. And just to make sure that the, you know, the law is being upheld and done the right way. So I'm basically just making sure that everybody did their job the right way and that that person is in prison and they should be in prison for what they're accused of doing. So, so you don't do any uh, pre-conviction stuff. You do no regular criminal defense, jury trials, et cetera. Everything's either post-conviction or post-appeal? Correct. Everything is, I don't do anything pre, even if my clients win. So if we, for example, if I win, like in Florida, it's called a 3850. It's an ineffective assistance of counsel motion. So if we win, um, they essentially, their case opens back up, they get a new trial. I do not even represent my clients instead of one, which I always, I always tell them that ahead of time. I say, you can hire someone at my firm um, that's more than qualified and I can sit second chair and help, but I am by no means going to sit here and say that I'm a trial attorney. So I, even those clients, I send them on their way, unfortunately, which now that I say that out loud, sounds kind of bad, but it's for their best. It's for their best interests. I promise. Well, and that's your specialty, right? So, you know, it makes sense yeah. to hire the person that has the skills that you want. Now, what percentage of your work is private versus court appointed? Cause up here, most of the post-conviction work is court appointed work because, you know, once people are in jail, it's tough to afford a lawyer. So majority, I will say 97% of my work is private. So down here, there is no, some, some for, for appeals, of course, that's where most of our appointed work comes from. We do get appointed cases between myself and my two partners um, every year to handle appeals as like an assistant, especially appointed assistant public defender. But for post-conviction, like not appeals for ineffective counsel, you can only get assigned or appointed on those kind of cases if you work for like regional counsel's office or the public defender's office, which obviously I don't. So they don't appoint to private attorneys, which is crazy. So 97% of what I do is by people who have paid me. So their families hire us, their friends hire us. They have money saved. Um, it's kind of crazy. That's interesting and definitely different than it is uh, in Pennsylvania where they will appoint private counsel on what we call you know, PCRA, Post-Conviction Relief Act petition. Yeah. And then you get paid a little bit by the court. Um, do you do any federal EDPA work? Yeah, so I do federal. Um, I do same thing. I do federal direct appeals. Um, and then I do a lot of federal 2255s, which is the equivalent of like the state ineffective assistance of counsel. So I do appeals. Obviously, the appellate work is a lot. I can go a lot more places because it's easier for me to get into different appellate courts. Like I'm in the 11th Circuit, I'm up in the 2nd Circuit, up in New York. Um, I've flown up there quite a bit. And then for the other stuff, it really just depends on which districts I can kind of either be admitted to or if I can pro hoc vice, then I will. But mostly it's just in Florida. And is this why you went to law school? Did you say, you know what, I saw somebody get wrongfully accused and wrongfully convicted and their trial lawyer did a garbage job. So I'm going to come in and save the day. And that's why we want to go to law school. Is that was that your mission from the beginning? No. And honestly, it's, it's kind of crazy though, because I've always felt like that. I've always had this, you know, I, you know, I've always been like a crime show person, crime podcast and listening to them. And I've always been super intrigued by that. So it's ironic that that was not my path. I actually always wanted to be a family lawyer. I know now I'm like, thank God. Um, my parents got divorced when I was in high school and it was 
a weird kind of experience for my sister who's younger than the, the same sister that helped me with my TikTok videos. And so I was like, I'm going to go to law school and be a family lawyer and like help the kids whose parents are going through divorces. And when I got to law school, my mentor who was a year above me, she worked at my firm and she was like, Hey, I'm about to study for the bar exam. Can you, you should apply. Like they're looking for an intern to take my place. Cause they won't let me work while I study. And I was like, great. So I applied, did not get the job at first. So I was like all <laughs> offended. I was like, wow. you Yeah. There. So then the person that they hired <laughs> rejected the job and then they hired me. Oh, second choice. But- that's not, that's not bad. I know. So I was like, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll accept it. So I started here and then I never left. That was eight years ago, like literally almost to the day I started working in May eight years ago. And I just kind of fell in love with like the thought of, I always wanted to do, to do the family law to help people. And now I could help people that nobody else wanted to help. I mean, literally nobody wanted to help. Nobody believed. And they just kind of were, I don't want to say abandoned, but it just, I kind of fell in love with that aspect of it. And then of course the wrongful conviction part made it just that much more interesting to me that I was like, I will never be bored. I will never be bored at this job. And there's always going to be cases for me to handle. So they do hearings regularly down there on the post-conviction yeah. stuff? Oh yeah. Normally before COVID, I would be in court at, doing a hearing probably once a week. Um, so it's a lot because people don't understand. It's like, I'm like, it's like the opposite of a trial. Now I'm kind of I have the whole burden. So I'm putting on witnesses. I am, you know, putting on all this evidence. So it it can be a lot, but I'm excited for it to go back to normal. Yeah. Are your courts back in person yet? They have started to, um, you know, Florida, we act like COVID never even happened down here. I was surprised Um, they shut down at all. The, so for me, it's a little bit different because obviously the issue with my cases is they have to bring the inmates back from prison. And that's where the concerns come from because not all inmates have been vaccinated yet. So I think that eventually in the next two months, We'll really start having more in person, but it's just now starting to go back to normal. Like I have my first in person hearing, um, not in Tampa, like close by in, in two weeks. So, so I want to blow the lid off the legal profession by reading something from your website that I think is going to get us a lot of hate mail. And oh, at the God. bottom of your website, let's see, it's right on the website, so I feel like that's fair game. At the bottom of your website, it says this quote: "Many lawyers advertise various awards they have quote won from various websites." proclaiming them to be a, quote, top lawyer in Florida, a top attorney under 40, or a 10.0 rating, and so forth. Please note that any attorney who advertises such court awards has to pay money to the particular website to be granted these, quote, honors. I refuse to pay for an award of honor, or for an award or honor. I rely on my experience, my training, and results. If you are looking for attorneys who accept paid for awards or honors, we are not your law firm. So did you write that? Did your partners write that? How much flack have you gotten for that? Because I agree 100%. Um, I'm not saying I don't have a good rating on Avo, but I'm saying I agree 100% with what you're saying here. So how did that portion of your website come to be? And tell me everything. Listen, all I can say without pointing fingers, I'm not going to say that I didn't write that, but I can only say that I'm not at the top of this food chain. I do not, I don't have too much input. Um, but I do support that statement hundred percent. Obviously it's different for, you know, and I've done a couple of podcasts and most of them ask me about that statement, which is so funny to me because I think it's more of a Florida thing for criminal law. We don't really 
buy those, you know, we get them all the time. Like you could be the top, this under that you used to pay us and all this other stuff. We don't really do that. It's more of like a civil thing down here. Of course, like we all want to be super lawyers because that's like the one thing you don't have to pay for, which everyone at my firm is a super lawyer. So I think that's one of the reasons why we post that is because people who are looking for an attorney, they look for someone that just has all the flashy, you know, all the flashy medals and awards. And that's not always a, an accurate representation of how good they are. Sometimes they pay $500 to have their name published and that's it. Sorry. Um, so we do get a lot of shit for that, but of course we stand by it. And other attorneys who like yourself, like you just said, you respect it and you understand the meaning behind it. They don't get offended because they realize that it's the most accurate thing probably on our whole website. Are these pictures all Photoshopped? Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> Never. Uh, so I'm going to take a, a little bit of a turn, um, ask you some not rapid fire questions, but questions we ask anyone. The first one's the most important, which is this. Uh, what is your position on the Oxford comma? Do you know what it is and do you use it? <laughs> oh, God. I actually don't even know what that is. So, so that's no, okay. I don't use it. The Oxford, well, you might. The Oxford comma is the third comma in a series. Joe, comma, Sally, comma, and Tim went to the beach. Is that something you, you do a lot of writing? So and is this something you do when you're writing uh, or not? Ooh, no. You know what though? I used to. I and you consciously to. shifted? Yes, because my, this is, so, then this just shows you like how working somewhere can change your perspective and how you write your, you know, your form. And I did that when I first started working here and I worked under a different attorney at first who, my mentor who ended up leaving, um, and she did not use it. And so she would correct me every time, every time I would write something for her. So I stopped using it and now I don't use it. And I just have a new associate that started working under me and she uses it. And I was like, don't do it. <laughs> what is something that people are obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of? Oh my God, this is going to be, this is a very controversial thing. Okay. We're very Watch controversial it. on this episode between the Oxford comma and your anti-abo, uh, thing. This is fine. This is going to blow up. We'll both get okay. some hate mail. You ready? Watching sport, watching professional sports on TV. I just, people are obsessed with it. I love watching them in person. I cannot watch it on TV. Oh, uh, no. well, that's not controversial to me. I'm, I'm my video is not working at the moment, but you saw I uh, wear a bow tie. I'm a nerd. So to me, watching any professional sports is totally unappealing, but the rest of my family very into it. Yes, mine too. And I just, my husband too, I cannot get on board. I literally sit there. I'm like, what, what a waste of my life. Like, what are we doing? So is that when you get your good TikToks in is like during football Sunday, you can kind of go in the other room and do your yes. dances and. And it's hockey season. So that's like several nights a week. So during, ironically, my husband is a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, like die hard to the depths. Like our wedding, our wedding, his like groom cake was a Pittsburgh Penguin cake. Um, but so, yeah, I go in the other room during those games. Uh, do you have any superstitions or anything that you do uh, in your profession that are like not necessarily superstitions, but habits? For instance, every time I go to court, I wear the same socks or I park in the same spot in the courthouse or anything like that. You know, I used to have <laughs> this is a pre-COVID. Oh, this is bad. This is a bad one. But I'm really I, you know, I, I'm, I try to be honest. I try to keep it interesting. I used to before COVID when I would go out of when I would go out of town for a hearing. Obviously, I would have to go and stay in a hotel. Um, so, like I've literally stayed all over. I've been like I said, New York, New Jersey, Atlanta, and then everywhere in Florida, all the way from Pensacola to Miami. So I would stay in a hotel, 
And the night before I would have a huge hearing, it was always my routine would be to prepare. But of course you're by yourself. So you go down to the hotel bar, you have a couple drinks. And for whatever reason, the nights that I would do that and have a couple of cocktails were always the ones that I did so well the next morning. I don't know if it was like you kind of panic in the morning, you wake up, you're like, what? But I don't do that anymore, obviously, because I'm not staying in hotels and that's not a smart professional choice. So, but that was a weird. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's uh, totally fine. I think I was like, relax. I don't know. I was like relaxed. And then I would just like, it just kind of became a thing I did. And like the hearings that I won were always the ones that I did that. So it became kind of like a weird superstition, I guess. Uh, What is something you hate, but you wish you loved? Running. Not a runner? No, uh... I used to be. Not anymore, though. I hate it so much. So wait, you you used to be. What what does that mean? Um, I used to run in law school, actually, and in college. And then I just, I don't know. I think I just ran so much that I just... I just, I hated it. I hated it. I got injured. Like my, I had like issues with my feet and with my shins and I just couldn't do it anymore. So after law school, I try, I try still, I just can't do it. So no Peloton tread for you? No, absolutely not. I'll stick to my Peloton bike only. I'm a big biker and rollerblader now. I'm not a runner at all. So you do, you have a Peloton regular bike? Yeah. Me too. Who's your instructor of choice and why is it Cody Rigsby? Oh, how'd you know? Probably because my pink suit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We, we vibe. No, it's ironically, Cody has only been my, he is definitely my go-to now, but he has not always been. My others was, of course, Robin at first because I was like, oh my God, she's a badass lawyer. Amazing. We love her. Um, so she was my favorite for a while. And then um, Sean was one of my other favorites after that. So you mentioned at the beginning, uh, and this is going to be a second to last question that you've only, you've been recognized once from your TikTok. What was that? And tell me that story. So I always laugh because people ask me all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, my friends are like, you have so many followers now. You must be so cool. Like people must see you all the time. I'm like, no, literally never. I always like joke about with my family because my sister's actually, her boyfriend is in a, like a pretty well-known rock band. So when we would go out with him, he would get recognized before. So last weekend, um, I was actually out with my sister and her boyfriend in Tampa and I had just gotten my account, had just gotten banned. I wasn't allowed to post anything because I had offended somebody with a, a, a clap back, I guess you could say. So I got reported a bunch of times. And anyway, I got banned from posting. So I was I was actually kind of upset about it. So we were at a, at a restaurant sitting at the bar. And this girl was like staring at us. And then I'm sorry to throw my sister out there. But she had some, you know, some unfortunate acne on her face. So she had like a pimple patch on her face out in public. Like she has no shame. She was like, they're staring at me because I have a pimple patch and you can clearly see it. Like they're <laughs> literally staring. So I was like, I was like, oh yeah, that's true. I'm like, you're so embarrassing. So her husband gets up and goes to the bathroom and she looks over at us and she like reaches across the bar and she's like, I'm so sorry. This is awkward. She's like, but are you on TikTok? Nice. And I was like, I was like, yes. And it was just like, we started laughing and her husband came back and he was like, my wife's obsessed with you. She literally, we just watched, she just watched all your videos last night. Like I, I knew it was you cause I could, I know your voice cause I hear it all the time. Um, but so that was like the coolest experience. And I always tell everybody, I'm like, if you see me, like, please don't be offended. Like, you're not going to bother me. You're not going to embarrass me. Like, I will give you a hug, like a social distance hug if you want. Like, I love it. So it was, it was very cool. That is pretty cool. I, uh, and what does your husband think of, you know, cause you're doing these TikToks, you're doing dances, you're doing, you know, different outfits and all kinds of things. Is he, 
doesn't care. He's totally fine with it. Not that it's up to him, but I'm just asking, you know, what his thoughts are. Actually, I don't, I don't really post about him a lot. He's a very, very private person. So this all started, I think when I got to 50,000 followers, I said, Ryan, this is your chance. You have a choice. It's either like speak now or forever hold your peace kind of situation. Um, as a weekend back out and he's like, no. And I don't think that he thought it was going to kind of go as far as it went, but he's okay with it. I mean, I keep him in the loop about it. And he's like, as long as you respect yourself. And he's like, he, he realized at one point, like the message that I was trying to put out there and just kind of the number of people that are being impacted by it. And he was like, that's just really cool. So I, I sometimes will post a video with him. Like yesterday, I posted a video with him, like in the background and people are dying because they never see him. And they're like, okay, he does approve of all this. There's a dance video and he's in it. And people are like, so excited that he's like actually in something for once. So he's very, very supportive. I mean, I don't, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't be because it is just so out there, but especially as two lawyers, it's just not the norm at all for what, expect what's expected of us or what you would expect so i'm very grateful for him (laughs) that's good that's good uh so what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given probably so my grandfather is one of the main reasons that i was able to go to law school and like be successful because he started his own he never went to college i'm the first person in my family to go to college he started his own cosmetics company um after working like in a glove factory my mom, like his whole life. And before he passed away, he actually sold it to Revlon, which was like, of course, the end all be all goal for anyone. Yeah. And he was like the most inspiring person to me. And so he always told me his best piece of advice to me was no matter what obstacles are in your way, no matter who is telling you that you can't do something, if you love something and you are passionate about it, it does not matter what comes in your way. You will find a way to overcome that. And I think that's really true in the legal profession just because, and again, not to put like the whole female spin on it, but uh, being a female, there are a lot more obstacles that come in our way and it's, it's easy to get discouraged and to try to, you know, to minimize yourself to fit into this box. And I don't think that you have to do that. And if you want to be passionate about something and you love it enough, then you'll find a way to make it work with who you are as a person and be successful. I think it's great advice. Rachel, where can people find you? Uh, where are you on TikTok? Where are you on Instagram? Where do you want them to look you up? Uh, and where should they say hello? Do you want them to wave? Or should they you know, give a special greeting so that they, you know that they found you on this podcast? Tell us, tell us everything. All right. So I, again, I don't use my TikTok for like work stuff. So the best way to find me is on social media. Like I don't like people reaching out through my firm stuff because I try to keep that separate. So on my TikTok, my handle is uh, Rach Reese three, but it's spelled R A C H R E S E, and then the number three. And then on my Instagram, which I'm not as active on, but I'm trying. You know, I'm still working on it. It's it's actually Rach, so R A C H period E period R E S E without any kind of three. So you can reach out to me on either of those. You know, drop Josh's name, whatever you want to do. I will I will see it, and I will love that you are there. So I appreciate all the hopeful future love. And I'm sure a lot of crap for the whole Oxford comma and the comment about the paying for awards. So, well, our listeners are split on the Oxford comma as are the interviewees. So you might be in good company there, but thank you for coming on. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate having you and, you know, we will talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Interrogatories with Josh Campson. 
This podcast is a production of the Montgomery Bar Association in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Views expressed during the podcast are those of the participants and not their employers or the Montgomery Bar Association. No content in this podcast should be construed as legal advice. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Interrogatories, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us that five-star rating and review. For more information, visit us at www.montgomerybar.org.